Hello and welcome to the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility Radio Show. Each episode, Lynn and Mustachio will explore continuums of meaning, varied perspectives, and thought seeds to place in the garden of the mind. Who knows what will grow? So sit back, stand up, drive or jog, whatever the motion may be, we are here to support each individual's journey to define health, happiness, and a humble perspective during the information era. Enjoy. Greetings! Today is September 11th, 2015, here in downtown Spokane, Washington. Today's show, episode number five of season one, is a 10 list on initial communication. It was first recorded on February 16th, 2015. Some time has passed since February. Many variables have changed. <laughs> Except for the main variable discussed in the show, finding a mentor. That's how this 10 list was created. It was created through frustrations of my inability to find a mentor. I had met a lot of interesting people with great credentials and backgrounds and business history. And on paper, they were fantastic. But in speaking with them... It was difficult to remove components of the ego and speak from the soul and really get down to conversations that include ingest, reflect, and modify. At the time, back in February, I went to a co-founder meeting here in Spokane. It's a like a networking event organized through the folks of Startup Weekend. And I had met a gentleman who was a physics PhD, had a physics PhD, and was there looking to do some mentoring as part of his um, academic structure. I got excited. I thought, what a synchronistic event. Here I am, I'm studying many laws of physics, but I'm not academically trained. I wanted to use the opportunity to my advantage and look into mentoring. (laughs) Oh, It did not work out. (laughs) About 48 hours of communicating and speaking with him, I was unable to recognize him as an educated person. Within our conversations, I feel as though they lacked critical thinking. (laughs) Oh, oh, mustachio, what are we going to do? It's just us, buddy. And, you know, sometimes that's okay. So at the end of the day, I've learned it's okay. Things happen for a reason. And as a survival tactic, I am able to turn a seemingly negative situation into something positive. With this 10 list, the initial recording started off free-flowing, venting. I uh, wanted to organize my thoughts. Two of the best ways for me to organize my thoughts are writing and speaking. Having some sort of pink zone tangibility, some sort of stimuli which other people can absorb. If the thoughts are purely in my own mind, then they lack a certain digestibility. It was kind of neat how it started off as brainstorming and then it went to the 10 list. So uh, (laughs) this is one of the newer ones. I believe I started recording 
around then, around uh, January, February, brand new to the whole thing. I'm glad it was structured this way. With the most recent episode, the July 10th one, that was a bit too structured, a bit too dry. I was exhausted, (laughs) frustrated. That one, too, was birthed from frustrations with finding a mentor. I had hired Trish Blackwell as an accountability coach, and it didn't work out. I feel as though she lacked accountability for her own words. With the advice offered, I asked why. Why this advice? Please explain. And she declined. She uh, offered me a refund and grabbed her bags and hit the door. (laughs) Same with the physics professor. Uh, Yeah, once I shake the bridge of truth, very few people remain standing. As of today, it's uh, just me and Mustachio. It's a bit scary, I'll admit. I need to figure out how to put the podcast together, and I still have much more learning to do. But I would rather be uncomfortable and confused and learn than exist in stagnation. What I learned from Trish Blackwell, her meta is the antithesis of what I do. The way that she structures her podcast and her advice is the opposite. The other end of the continuum of what we at 3H2Humans do. I went into it expecting for her to be the top of the mentor hamburger, for her to guide me and teach me things I didn't know and open up my eyes to a new perspective. And (laughs) so yeah, Mustachio brings up a point. So um, much was learned, but not the information expected. That's another code of the universe I've learned. I have goals and objectives in mind, and very rarely do they turn out the way I expect. And that goes back to the survival tactic. I could throw a pity party and say, oh, poor me, just sit in that stagnant pool. I'm, I'm gonna jump in the rapids. It's scary, it's unpredictable, but that's where I thrive. I thrive in the type of approach that I took with Trish Blackwell what I gave to her, I guess. I want someone with a critical eye and um, higher levels of consciousness to groom me, to teach me, to show me the holes in the theories Mustachio and I propose. That's where we are. And in this episode, I talk about that. I talk about how we are in sensory deprivation, very little contact with the outside world, and also, you know, no mass media, all the the hype and the scares were lost. And that's the way I like to live. One where there's positives, a life where there's positive stimuli. Okay, <laughs> so we're, we're gonna get uh, back aligned here. Um, in the past, I was disheartened and a bit apprehensive towards moving forward with what we're doing here. But I recognized it's one bump on the road. When I'm approached with a challenge, I, I thrive. Okay, um, with the mentoring, uh, I imagine most people seek mentorship, seek someone who can offer guidance during a troubling time. 
And I learned more of what not to do than what to do from the physics professor. And then I talk in the episode two about, I looked into Brandon Epstein's Entrepreneur Fitness Academy, and it was pretty much videos of him just talking and then a Facebook page for like 200 and something dollars. I, I don't agree with that. And same with Trish Blackwell. It's some program. And then I filled out a bunch of stuff and then asked her, okay, what does this mean? And she said, oh, that's for you to reflect on. I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear, oh, reflect yourself. No, I, I think there's something strange going out there in the life coaching and mentoring arena. Mustachio and I are exploring it. And uh, because we haven't <laughs> found a mentor yet, uh, we're ready. <laughs> we're ready to move on to the next thing. And we lack desperation. So we will not just cling on to somebody who's going to be a cheerleader and tell us, oh, don't worry, everything's fine as the only means of advice. We want concrete, critical thinking, that mastermind symposium of infinite possibility. That's where the name was birthed from. We recognize an individualized perspective is simply that, an individualized perspective. There is no right and wrong, good or bad. And with the mentors I've encountered, I feel as though they speak from the ego where there is a right and wrong and good and bad and um, variables that I tend to push away, others are attracted to. So this is a part of the equation, it's still in the process of, but I do recommend folks check out the Trish Blackwell podcast as it is the antithesis of what we do. After speaking with her, she continued to misuse the word you. And then in her show notes, she capitalized it, like capitalized. You need to do this. You should do that. When you feel miserable, you need... And it's just all this stuff that doesn't partake, doesn't uh, relate with me. And yet it's in the you tense. If uh, any listeners out there are curious about an application of many pish-posh words... Check out the Trish Blackwell podcast, brought to you by Trish Blackwell and sponsored by the same. <laughs> I know that, ah, oh, mustache, you know, I just, we don't get that. Why, why people call it the, you know, like the Tim Ferriss show and uh, after someone's name, I think right there, the act of doing that is a broadcasting of the singular perspective saying, this is just me. And I don't think humans work that way. I don't think consciousness is essentially a singular wave of energy. It's uh, all around us and connected. And <laughs> oh, just real quick to, uh, I was having a conversation with a gentleman the other day about consciousness. I spoke about how I believe there are three layers of consciousness. The universal consciousness, which connects all organic life forms on earth and beyond. Then the subconscious, as opposed to unconscious. Uh, unconscious is in the runnings for the next edition of Pish Posh Words. 
I don't believe someone unconsciously dials a phone number. I believe people subconsciously dial phone numbers. A person who is unconscious can't even pick up a phone. They're un, they're sleeping or passed out. They're not conscious. So I do encourage folks to analyze the differences between subconscious and conscious or unconscious. The third layer is consciousness. That is right now. <laughs> Me talking, someone listening. So universal consciousness, subconscious, and then consciousness. Those I believe are three layers of what's going on with the human experience. Okay, enough of the, that rambling. Um, and, uh, and with all these mentors who I've reached out to and it didn't work, I also talk about um, someone I had met in Vancouver. I had another correspondence with him about, I gave him feedback on his script and then asked for feedback on the feedback to complete the feedback loop. And here's the main variable I feel these mentors lack is cognition towards the feedback loop where advice is given, the advice is ingested, and then the modified perspective is offered and then information is offered back. Imagine it's like a, uh, a tennis game, people going back and forth. And I think with feedback, simply saying one thing and leaving it at that uh, really only scratches the surface. And with these folks, I, it's, I feel as though I needed to beg to, uh, to complete the feedback loop. It was so strange. I, I don't understand it. Uh, I, I do believe it has something to do with the ego and perhaps a fear and apprehension towards growth and evolution and recognizing, hey, things need to change. Yeah, that's tough. We all go through that. Um, yeah, I do encourage mentors out there to be cognizant of the feedback loop. When advice is given, allow there to be that tennis match. Workshop it. Uh, oftentimes, assumptions are made. The whole basis of the communication is lost. All right, and uh, yes, so I do wish all those mentors out there <laughs> who have uh, crossed my path, um, I do have compassion for all y'all, and, uh, and I'm here. If at any point I become validated by society and uh, people become interested in what I have to say, uh, I'd love to talk again. I would love to um, clear the brush. Right now I feel a bit uncomfortable with how several of my initial communications with others have been left. I work towards minimizing those. It's all about learning. Learning and planting thought seeds. Okay, so we're going to dive right in to the 10 list initial communication. Number one, present clear objectives. Understand one's own motives and motives of others. Two, minimize communications and remove assumption-based questions. Speak from the soul. Number three, shake the bridge of truth. If red flags are felt, test the validity of the source. Is the person able to recognize an ideal position in the mentor hamburger? Number four, be true to word. Only promise what will be delivered. Number five, work towards 70-30, 70% listening and 30% talking. Ingest more 
talk less. Number six, practice what is preached. Master advice before soapboxing ideas. Number seven, keep personal details to a minimum. First, establish a relationship bucket before offering intimate details. Will the person be a friend, coworker, acquaintance? Number eight, mentor hamburger. Find people who are above, equal, and below one's own cognitive ability. Be open to any position in the mentor hamburger. Express a humble mindset when feeling out a new person. Number nine, meet at a neutral location. Discuss ideal parameters of comfort and abide by them. When a person is comfortable, deeper levels of connection become possible. Number 10, minimize grandstanding. Replace self-congratulations with tell me more. All right, that's the 10 list for today, September 11th, 2015 in lovely Spokane, Washington. Enjoy. Today is February 16th, 2015, here in sunny Spokane, Washington. Nastasha and I are excited to get back to it after a weekend off, and it was uh, Valentine's Day weekend. Valentine's Day was on Saturday. I think it's so strange. Uh, Brian and I walked downtown and how there were many couples walking along the Centennial Trail from the uh, Maple Street Bridge down to downtown River Park. River. I, for some reason, it's so hard for me to say that. I want to say Riverfront Square Park. There's too many like directives. <laughs> it's too specific. <laughs> Oh, concise and digestibility. And I, I really got to thinking, as a part of my meta, in a way that I would like to live my life, I like to break away from the herd mentality and around the holidays we speak about. Kind of the holidays, what's going on, we spoke about the Super Bowl and how there are those lone entrepreneurs who could give two shits about a football game and are more focused on a, a greater objective, as well with Christmas, as opposed to just giving people a bunch of shit and receiving a bunch of shit, clean out one's house, get rid of things, as opposed to accumulate more things. So Valentine's Day, I think um, for today's listener challenge, it's gonna be a big one, a big one. Think of Valentine's Day, think of what it means beyond a commercial level of a couple, or a family, some, some sort of human unit <laughs> going out and enjoying themselves, contributing to the local economy, getting outside, putting work on hold. They're beautiful components of Valentine's Day. And uh, for instance, Brian was looking to make reservations. I think it was about a week in advance and nearly every restaurant, I think he, he said he called 10, so probably three or four. <laughs> Um, restaurants were booked 
solid from the middle part, two o'clock and earlier or nine o'clock and later. But that middle chunk, that hot spot, that Goldilocks zone had been booked up. Uh, in contrast, let's say for today, I plan to go on an adventure. I need to for my sanity. <laughs> and um, I'll go out and I imagine I'll see a lone jogger and a group of three people and things will be back to business as normal because it's no longer Valentine's Day. I encourage everyone for this listener challenge to take back the power of uh, one's own concept of when it's time to go out and adventure and show a loved one appreciation and all this other stuff that goes along with Valentine's Day, to do that once a month. Pick a day in the month, a number, maybe a lucky number for both or an anniversary date or a, a child's birth date, a dog's birth date, whatever it may be. Pick that day and allow for 12 Valentine's Days a year. One of the big things we talk about here at the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility is looking at the continuum, is searching for that health, happiness, and humble perspective, as well as living a life devoid of words like regret and boredom and all these things. It may seem insignificant or it may seem daunting. For this listener challenge to have that one day a month where there's a, a remembering the family unit of the, the love between two people, I think is huge. Do we as humans and Spokane County folk and beyond need corporate America to tell us when to go out to dinner with our sweethearts, when to buy flowers and candy and whatnots. You know, the prices get jacked up. I mean, it's a shit show for one day and then calm nearly the rest of it. Uh, similar to gas prices. You know, we as the consumers just set the prices. They, they've dropped astronomically. A, a couple of months ago, it was around $3. Now it's buck eighty, And I believe that may have started with a chain reaction in one of the west, southwestern states. Uh, a gentleman sold gas for $1.99. And I think that had a domino effect. So we have the capability to create these positive domino effects. And I challenge, Mustachio and I both challenge everyone to have that one day a month to go for a walk, even if that's what it is, a monthly walk. And it sounds silly, but time goes by so fast. And it's imperative to enjoy the small things, to take that deep breath and to remember, remember the honeymoon phase, remember all of the love that's shared, the security which comes with a partner, the ups and the downs and that devotion. I think that's worth one day a month. 12 days a year to really show that. All right, that is our Valentine's Day listener challenge. I better jot this down. <laughs> I was doing my radio voice. Better jot this down before I forget. All right, listener challenge, V-Day, uh, once a month, and uh, pick special day. And it could be big, maybe a, an out-of-town adventure, May, or um, even say like the, the first weekend each month, go out of town, leave the area code, or something as small as walk around the block, the continuum. Endless possibilities, and it's all about figuring out what works best for the individual. 
All right, so there we go. That's the uh, listener challenge for today, 216.15. That's right, yesterday was 215.50 and then 214.15. I write down the date a lot and pay a lot of attention to numbers and all those things, so I kind of, I like it when numbers jive together. So today, what is on the mind? Mentoring, finding a mentor, having someone come to my world and to have the tell me more mentality rather than no, it's not. And (sighs) with great pain comes great pleasure. I recognize this bumpy road is all for a reason. What helps me to (sighs) be at peace with the complications in my life is to confront them, to dissect them, to learn what could I do to improve the situation next time and What is an ideal situation for me to have in the future in a similar situation? I'm looking at both sides of it. What were my strengths and weaknesses and what were the other person's strengths and weaknesses within the communication momentum towards an objective? That is the common denominator. The underlying variable is momentum towards an objective, the continuum that we'll be looking at today. So imagine that word above or below, if we're talking common denominators, to group these thoughts together, momentum towards an objective. (laughs) So depending on how, like my thinking goes back and forth. Sometimes I like to view it as a common denominator and sometimes I best process it with it as the header of a continuum. Either way, (laughs) whatever works, keep that in mind. This uh, is more about momentum towards an objective than good and bad and right and wrong and shoulda, coulda, wouldas and all this other pish posh nonsense. Eh, we're leaving that behind. So let's approach this with a lens of forward momentum. How can we as humans navigating through email communication, in-person communication with strangers, getting to understand another person's perspective while understanding one's own individual perspective. There's a lot of things going on within initial contact with an unknown person that um, oftentimes are, are left in the subconscious mind rather than a part of conscious processing. That's another objective, to put these types of components into conscious processing, to move them up from subconscious to conscious. Again, no right or wrong, any of that, no good or bad, those concepts don't exist here. Uh, What does exist here is a lens toward momentum, momentum towards an objective. (laughs) All right, and what is the objective? To find a mentor. I, I crave to be that little patty inside of a a hamburger, the mentor hamburger. Having a mentor as one bun, me and my equal in the in the middle, and then being a mentor, helping someone else. Currently, it's an empty plate. (laughs) (sighs) Moving towards this objective, I'm looking for a mentor right now. I don't know if that is the optimal move. Maybe I need to be a mentor first. We have spoke here at 3H2 about if something is desired, I feel for me personally, I've noticed that first I must give it. 
So if I have a desire, I first must give that desire to someone else. And one of them was a voice. I wanted to have a voice. So with the radio show interviews, I gave other people a voice. And that felt comfortable and fulfilling. So for this, it's going to be a reverse. Bells and sounds. We are reversing what was once thought to be one thing has flipped. And this is another phenomena in nature where things can instantly flip. And what flipped for me was I am seeking a mentor, but in seeking a mentor, I found someone I am able to give a couple pointers to and to, to be a mentor. And then I do hope that with this action of being a mentor, I will be able to have a mentor. Okay, what is the situation? I am a nobody, a recluse, no social media, no information on Google+, just me. And Mustachio, of course. Chilling in the universal consciousness. <laughs> I think in some ways this is an advantage and in some ways it's a disadvantage. So there's no fanfare associated with us, with Lynn and Mustachio. And with this communication, I feel as though that's what happened. Had I been someone of status, if I had credentials or some sort of certificate from someone saying that I was worth something, I feel as though this communication would have gone differently. It's strange. <laughs> when I first speak to people, they uh, treat me as though I'm an idiot. <laughs> And I think it's because there's too much talking rather than, um, yep, okay, Mustachio had a good idea. My thoughts are on disorganized and I'm committing the same fallacy I am accusing another of. And that's just blabbing incessantly. So I'm going to take five and clear off the table and get the whiteboard and we are going to do a 10 list. Let's do a 10 list of things learned from this uh, communication. It took place over uh, 48 hours. It was an experiment for me looking for a mentor. And we will explore how that went in five. Enjoy. And we're back. Some time has passed. It is now 9.18. And the desk is cleared. The 10 list initial communication has been created. And uh, the entry from... November 3rd, 2014, on Monday, at 6.25 in the morning, is here now. <laughs> Oi, oh, mustachio, what a wonderful thing consciousness is, and thinking, and critical thinking, and being in the moment, enjoying oneself. I'm so much happier now, in this moment, than over the weekend. <laughs> I do enjoy what I do when I learn. And I think it's strange that when I have an objective in mind, it's difficult for me to focus on other components in the environment. So I do recognize this as one of my weaknesses, but in contrast, a, a keener sense is developed for, I would consider subconscious to conscious processing of information. Some of my other senses are dulled while this sense is 
heightened, similar to a blind person who has immaculate hearing and senses objects in the environment in a different way than perhaps a person who is sighted. So here we go, let's just dive right in. We will go ahead and give the 10 and then go back and explain each one and then go back and give the 10 again. I think this is an effective way to relay information. In the podcasts, Mustachio and I review and uh, workshop, the interview format has become a bit dull. I feel as though many people say what things are not rather than what they are. So that's another thing we focus here at the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of infinite possibility is focusing on what things are, how we can change things, rather than shitty things which suck. I don't really feel how that is uh, helping me move towards an objective of inner peace. (laughs) Being able to lay on a beach and just take a deep breath and say, fuck, I deserve to relax. That's what I want. That's my objective. Oh my gosh, so here we go. (laughs) This is for laying on that beach. I need a mentor, I need to be a mentor, and I need to have an equal and release the 3H2 Humans content by Earth Day. That's the new realization is I had initially thought of March 22nd as the release date. We talked about it and figured Earth Day is better, is a, um, so better, what is better? is uh, more comfortable. The stress, releasing everything in a month is, I'm uncomfortable. So, okay, Earth Day is more comfortable. We talk about humans and Earth as an organism. And in grabbing the November 3rd entry, I came across another entry that spoke about that. I was examining the ecosystem in the front yard and how Earth essentially is an organism uh, with an energy field, and we, we are one. We are Groot. <laughs> so uh, Earth Day feels appropriate. And I think it's kind of, it, for me personally, I don't really do anything on Earth Day. When I was a kid in school, when Earth Day was new, you know, we would have recycling awareness and like all this cool stuff. And I loved Earth Day. I loved just the vibe I felt, the happiness, which came along with the collective consciousness, focusing on Earth Day, focusing on us humans and animals and plants and everything, all of us as one organism. Love it. So Earth Day is the release day. I can relax. Also on a side note, this 10 list of initial communication with me seeking a mentor. I'm looking for someone smarter than me. And it's so funny this morning, (laughs) I was chatting with Brian. I said, I forgot what it was, but I said, yeah, something helped, helped me to feel confident. And, and then Brian laughs. He's like, what? You do not need more confidence. You think you're just the smartest person ever. And I said, no, on the contrary, I think I'm quite dumb. The funny thing is, and the little line that popped in my head was, the only reason I'm a genius is because I'm surrounded by idiots. <laughs> that is how I feel. I do feel as though in other circles, if I grabbed 10 books off the shelf, sat all those folks down, I imagine I would be quite humbled. So I, ah, I just found it hilarious. Brian perceives me as very confident, though I perceive myself as not confident because I don't have someone smarter than me 
to either confirm or deny the information I hold dear. And that's where, for me, self-confidence comes from. Someone I look up to either saying, yes, I agree, this makes sense because, or no, I disagree, this does not make sense because. And then with that information, I'm able to take the confirmed information and ask more questions and dissect it further and jump down more rabbit holes. But then if a mentor, someone smarter than I, disagrees with the information and gives me another lead, perhaps guides me in the right direction. And this is what I seek. I'm having complications. finding someone smarter than me and, and, and even so I feel like a dick even saying oh smarter than me meh, meh. And, and that's not what it is what it is is someone who has the time I have a shit ton of free time my whole life is free time and that's awesome and that's a huge benefit that I recognize not everyone is allotted I have a lot of experience and I'm ready to have it confirmed or denied anyway so looking for some okay that's mustachio to okay <laughs> I'm trying to explain what I meant by smarter. I'm looking for someone who has deeper levels of critical thinking towards similar problems I'm exploring. That's, I guess, the basic way to break it down. Break it down. All right. So here we go. The 10 list initial communication. That's why I'm trying to front load all this bullshit. Pretty much all that blabbery was trying to make the point that I was speaking to someone with a PhD. So someone on paper considered much smarter than I and um, has quote-unquote academic street cred. And I tend to become frustrated with the facade, which comes with a degree. I think simply someone who has a degree in my mind is someone who can follow directions. That's what that says. Hey, I went to school. I sat. I did all my shit, now here's my treat, this piece of paper. Um, It's frustrating for me, and I imagine there are things to the contrary, but I have yet to meet these unicorns who experience critical thinking in a university setting. It does feel as though it's propaganda, textbook contracts, just bullshit, and ways of the past. The days of the internet are here, the days of free information are here, And anything can be learned on the internet and from specialized sources as well as um, cooperatives. It's it's amazing. The old days of paying a hundred grand to get a PhD and be called someone special and then just work off paying that back. It's just, it's a fucked system. I do encourage youth to examine this system, to examine the times of your the times of now and the times of future, and think deeply about what is the ideal form of education. How in current modern society am I able to learn in an optimized and efficient manner? I feel the university system is not optimized, it's not efficient, and it's not cutting edge. It's yesteryear's bullshit. I'm frustrated and I want to heal my pains. <laughs> oh, pity party. <laughs> so who's ever editing this, if there's an editor, bam, insert the pity party music here. Do, 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 do. Pity party music entered here. <sighs> yeah, let's go ahead and move forward. The pity party is for, I think, 
the students who are in debt, the students who had to pay so much money for a memorization degree. That's my frustration. You know what? Okay, new plan. Because I'm over-explaining and perhaps under-explaining depending to the individualized perspective of the listener. And this is one thing we talk about here at 3H2Humans. It does depend on the listener's cognition level, uh, what the past stigmas and stereotypes and filtration systems are for each individualized word. So it is difficult to be concise and digest. This is such a grand slew of human thingamajigs. All right, so we're going to do the 10 list, then we're going to read the entry, then we're going to jump into it. Let's see. I'm learning more about time awareness because time is essentially a construct which was brought forth with the invention of the clock. Prior to the clock, life was much different. So I have an hourglass, a three, er, three and some change timer. Let's see how long all this stuff takes. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, 10 list initial communication. Number one, present clear objectives. Number two, minimize number of communications. Number three, shake the bridge of truth. Number four, be true to word. Number five, work towards 70-30. Listen more, speak less. Number six, practice what is preached. Number seven, keep personal details to a minimum. Number eight, Allow open mind for any position in mentor hamburger. Number nine, meet at a neutral location slash discuss ideal meeting parameters. Number 10, minimize grandstanding equals have a tell me more type mentality. All right, so <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll dive in here to the entry because it kind of explains my position on how I feel about statistics and all the things that were crossing the mind on November 3rd, 2014, at 6.30-ish, here at the Bridge Home, with the trinket, Boris. The source of information often trumps the information itself. For what are useful words from a useless source? During a conversation yesterday, this very thought danced in the mind. How do I quantify a reliable source? When in large groups, the most pleasure-filled moments are those while sitting silently, observing the environment. Statistics tossled about using statements such as, they say you need to do this. Who is they? Doctors? Scientists? Crusaders for the common welfare of all? In many cases, no. Statistics often result from a deeper motive than factual discovery. Agendas of pride, insecurity, and monetary gain ooze their sticky fingerprint upon statistics with consciousness as a variable. Be cautious when relaying a statistic with consciousness as a variable. Understand whom is they. Peel back layers of nonsense detail and examine potential underlying reasons for conducting the study. While in the car, a preacher man spoke in the 500 hour on AM radio. He devised the system to God away the gay of sinners, backed by statistical evidence. What does it mean to say? While conducting research on human behavior, I have found several instances where one's words to action vary from their own action. Who gets paid to say something? In many cases, will conform as though the credential on the wall were from the Juilliard School of Acting rather than a PhD program. Morality and ethics thrown aside as the cost of living continues to rise. If a behavior is preached, examine the soapbox which lay underneath. What foundation is the information based upon? 
A person is capable of saying nearly anything. Parameters of limit enter the equation when action is considered as a variable in overall usefulness of the statement. Rather than say, what does the person do within their own life? My dear friend, the ever-present you is next up to bat. Rather than blindly accept you to mean I, consider the speaker's individualized consciousness. Similar to playing telephone as a child, so too do adults muddy information each time it passes hands. Consider the source. How susceptible is this person to dramatizing information? What does you mean when traced to its origin? The group of people listening to the words, they say you need to do this, were a mixed bag indeed. Young and old, male and female, married and single. How can one word, you, accurately depict the smorgasbord of humans listening. Who will benefit from the advice of they? As the layers peel back and fall to the floor, so too vanishes the validity of words spoken when deep examination takes place. When offered an ambiguous statement, ask questions. If the speaker is unable to quantify you in terms of who will benefit from this advice and they in terms of a clear idea of who is giving the advice, consider the information pishposh. The final chunklet to examine is need to do this. Need is a powerful word. Humans need food, water, and shelter. For a person to boldly express a need which goes beyond the basics, I begin to question motive. Consider the preacher from the radio. He expresses a viewpoint of needing to God away the gay. I disagreed with his viewpoint and consider his statistics invalid. To do suggests action. Words are easily expressed, whereas action requires effort. In the end, what are words which claim action yet contain stagnation within application? Enlightened people telling others how to be enlightened while using aggressive false tenses of you. In essence, the person's words and actions contradict teachings of humble actions while behavior is otherwise. Essentially, if advice taught by a person contradicts their own behavior, I question the information's usefulness. If a system works, why doesn't it work for the person who preaches its need? Before telling someone they need to do something, I examine its utility on myself, then question the other person's unique aspects of consciousness with regard to the effectiveness of the advice. When humans are a variable in an equation, the possibilities are abundant. The next time a statistic of consciousness is heard, look deep into its gears and interworkings. Who paid for the study? What hoops were jumped through in order to achieve publication? Studying statistics of behavior at Washington State University taught me I most likely will never publish a study. The bureaucracy within the APA blows the mind as a tedious process is required in order to contribute findings. Akin to a good old boys club, the specific handshakes are requested in order to gain access to the APA's power. I believe in the power of civilians, as we have the ability to endorse hobbyists, not lobbyists, and therefore alter a current broken system. Okay, so that took two hourglasses, so we're looking at probably seven or eight minutes. Whew! Okay, so that was a lot of information, uh, and we're just going to keep it coming. That's what we do here, and that's what's so great about podcasts. They can be listened to a multitude number of times, paused, around, fast-forward, whatnot. Do as needed. <laughs> Gosh, and what's so crazy, as I was reading, the pieces in my head... Okay, so the subconscious mind understood way beyond my conscious mind in terms of how 
speaking with this particular person who has a PhD and who I'm looking for mentoring from and, you know, all that stuff, it's almost as though the writing from back in November is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, to do suggest action, words are easily expressed, whereas action requires effort. In the end, what are words which claim action yet contain stagnation within application? Essentially, if advice taught by a person contradicts their own behavior, I question the information's usefulness. Ooh, I think I was wrong. I need to grab a pen. I don't think it's particularly the information, but the source. I consider the source kind of useless. Um, okay, here we go. Where is that? Words are easily expressed, whereas action... Okay, here we go. Essentially... If, it, if advice taught by a person contradicts their own behavior, I question the information's usefulness. No, I question the source. The sources, so I'm editing, the sources, usefulness. Before telling someone they need to do something, I examine its utility on myself, then question the other person's unique aspects of consciousness with regard to the effectiveness of the advice. Okay, so what is all that? In essence, what I'm saying is before telling someone they need to do something, I examine its utility on myself. <sighs> okay, so before diving into the 10 list, I was speaking with this gentleman who, who's very, very nice, nice, nice person. I asked for his input on this piece of writing. And so here's the advice. The advice given was kind of uh, blanketed to where... It's possible he didn't even read the document. And I think this is important in uh, conducting communications with someone is to have some sort of inkling that the documentation, that the documentation, that the document was read, that there was time and effort put into it, or say, no, I didn't read it. This one action separates good from great, from trying to doing is offering specific information. And we've spoke about this too, about how feedback, if someone asks for feedback and the response is, oh, that's good. Oh, you know, if it can essentially be copied and pasted to other things, or in this case, I think he could have deduced this comment simply by reading my initial thing. Anyway, <laughs> I'm talking about PhDs, and I'm kind of bashing them a little bit. And this is one of the reasons I, I mean no harm. These are thoughts I have. I want to explore them. I want to hear the other side. I want someone to stand up to me and say, no, Lynn, you're wrong. This is wrong. Bam, this is how it is. Haven't found that yet. And this was the advice offered from the, uh, the entry read. The idea of need to do this is like using the word should. Actually, I get on my colleagues more for should than you need to do this, as that statement is quite benign and usually comes from a better place. Should is used at times as a command or a passive-aggressive statement. For myself, I say, you need to do this, when I think it's great advice that I tried and worked or that I know others have been successful at doing. Should is more distant in our language. And then the next thought is, 
You already know how I feel about tenses, modes, and arguing for or against them. I don't want to get into semantics argument on such a pleasant and sunny afternoon. Okay, so <sighs> that response is at the opposite end of the continuum than I would have desired in a multitude of ways. So with that, he focuses, what's so funny, on the word should. Uh, the idea of need to do this is like using the word should. And we speak about the pish-posh words and all of those things, but they're... I think these types of things happen when a person has the no it's not mentality and does the opposite of the 70-30 where there's incessant talking. He was unable to hear the pish posh words or even know what I'm doing. He has no idea. So then the one little, I'm, I'm craving advice, I'm craving constructive insights and someone to, you know, have that deeper thinking than my own and to say, yes, this is great or no, this is shit. I, ah, it make me go crazy. <sighs> oh, okay. <laughs> so that's really all I want is some sort of tangible insights into my life's work. What I put so much effort and time into for someone to give an honest, concise and digestible opinion, perspective. So with this, he's changing the subject. And what was kind of funny was, so here's how I prefaced it. I had fun chatting last night. Thanks for showing me the cool spots around town. So we did meet and uh, spoke in person, which was fun, but it, it, the objectives were nowhere in sight. Um, and I'm hungry for objective gathering, and I, I don't really want to bullshit. I want objectives. <laughs> It's like capture the flag. I want those flags. Attached is a link to a, a document on Google Drive. Part of the research I'm conducting involves writing daily about whatever is on my mind at the time. Back in November, it was about a phrase, they say you need to do this. After reading the document, you may have a better idea of where I'm coming from and what type of mentoring will be best for me. I'm hungry for another human's perspective and look forward to your insights. That's how I prefaced it. That's what I was looking for. And then really all he talked about was the idea of you need to do this. So I had said that in the beginning. It's changing the subject. I feel as though I presented clear objectives. I don't really understand why it didn't work. <laughs> but okay, so moving along. Here I am. I'm hungry for objectives. Uh, I had already met in person, spent a little time bullshitting, getting to know each other, okay, so now I, I don't know. Uh, mustachio, is that greed? Am I being greedy in hungering mentoring, in hungering constructive criticism that's finite, that's applicable? All he talked about was you need to do this. In essence, the article really wasn't about that. It's about the bullshit of credentials as well. I don't know. A lot's going on. And that's, at least on some level, what I thought would be a response of this entry is, fuck, a lot of shit's going on. Break it down. Is it cohesive? But no. And two, how I can tell this specific individual is on the opposite end of the spectrum 
for the type of mentors and colleagues and things that I personally look for is that last part. You already know how I feel about tenses, modes, and arguing for or against them. I don't want to get into a semantics argument on such a pleasant and sunny afternoon. So this is what drives me absolutely fucking batshit crazy. When I speak to academics about linguistics, about, you know, the misuse of you and how should lacks explicit learning and Oftentimes the response I get is, well, if you twist the irregular verb and then conjugate the tense and it's, um, you know, he was talking about how English is a Germanic language and all this shit. For me personally, I'm more interested in useful components about linguistics, things that I use in everyday conversation rather than what some technical book says. Kind of like for a mechanic working on an engine. Yes, there's someone who can read a manual and do everything piece by piece by piece, but again, that's one engineer's perspective. There's, you know, more than one way to skin a cat, and I think it's important to look at the everyday, modern day use of words and linguistics and all that, like semantics. I, to, I don't even know what semantics means. I, oh, that's so frustrating. And it frustrates me too, modes and tenses and arguing for or against them. I don't want to get into a semantics argument on such a pleasant and sunny afternoon. Like, are you shitting me? My dream would be to pull up a lawn chair, to sit down by the river, and to discuss perspectives on linguistics. That's how I would preface it. Discuss perspectives on linguistics rather than arguing semantics. Fuck yeah, arguing semantics sounds pretty shitty. I would not want to argue semantics. That sounds like some 1940s PhD at the time bullshit. No, 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 no. (laughs) I want to sip a beer and discuss words, how they're used, what words feel good, what words are uncomfortable, the practical everyday human use of linguistics. That's what interests me. (sighs) Kind of frustrates me a little bit. In the writing, it talks too about if advice taught by a person contradicts their own behavior, I question the source's usefulness. So he talks about actually, which we stress is a pish posh word, as noted here, actually, I get on my colleagues more for should then you need to do this. So he talks about how he gets on his colleagues. He preaches to them about the dangers of should. And in conversating with him, I heard him say should a bunch of times. And you must do this and need and tons of pish posh words. And this goes back to the whole practice what is preached. If something is being taught to someone else, I think there's a certain level of mastery which is beneficial before being preachy. And then on the final note, he comments, oh, there's more chit-chat and stuff. And then his comment back is, I should enjoy the weekend. (laughs) So I send two pages of writing, pretty much taking little jabs at the academic system, the system that he's a part of. And then he spends his energy telling me how should is a benign word, and then tells me that he should enjoy the weekend. This is what drives me absolutely crazy. Oh my gosh. It, and I think it does have to do with conscious and subconscious processing. 
these were the same complications I had with the real estate agent and the insurance agent, all these people who are just so out of touch with the pink zone, out of touch with going to another person's consciousness zone or sharing a consciousness zone rather than just drifting off in the yellow. Oh, I do feel as though three essential components of even being able to go to the pink zone is proper nutrition. So what do I mean by proper nutrition? Uh, each individualized human's body system is varied. Finding that individualized optimal food schedule uh, in terms of nutrition and, and exercise and sleep. Fuel, sleeping, and exertion of energy. Essential, I feel, in entering the pink zone. Oh, mustachio. So why am I so frustrated? I'm frustrated. And I think, did I read about my the opener? About how I've been in a sensory deprivation thing? I don't know if I did. Um, but I had said, part of the podcast involves a two-year media slash people sensory deprivation experiment. Two years of near isolation have passed, and it's time for me to do something with perspectives gain and begin to work with others. I have a few thousand dollars to spend on hiring, yet don't know where to begin. So I think those are clear objectives. And um, they were not met. (laughs) So today, I reached out to another source. And um, we'll kind of get into that a bit later. Uh, I'm already trailing off. So, okay, enough about the emails. Enough about that last communication. It didn't work. And we'll explore a bit more in number three on what to do now. I question him as a reliable source because he's preaching something but not doing it himself. To me, is a red flag. And I encourage anyone who is around someone who exhibits this behavior, I think it's important to point it out. And as uncomfortable and awkward as that may be, I think that is perhaps the next desirable step as approached in number three. Okay. (laughs) So number one, present clear objectives. And this is a 10 list for initial communication. So to present clear objectives. I think this is one of the complications in first meeting people. What is the objective? I feel as though I presented my objective pretty clearly where I've done this sensory deprivation. I don't know anybody. I'm not hip on what's square. I need help and I have the funds for hiring. So I'm willing to pay. And in this economy where everybody wants a job and needs a job and has these hobby technical skills, to me that seems like a, in an ideal world would be an easy task. So present clear objectives. In contrast, I'm not quite sure what his objectives were. And maybe that is my fault. And that is my fault. I don't know what his objectives were. I thought they were mentoring, but I don't feel as though that was the case. There perhaps were other objectives dissimilar from my own. And that's another reason why it wasn't quite a right fit. (sighs) Oh, third one's a charm. That's right. I went, I tried to do, tried. Yoda says there is no try, only do and do not. I did apply to the entrepreneur fitness academy oh i hate that name academy oh for what this gentleman's doing awesome dude but i first went to him as a mentor i'm like fuck it this kid knows what's up maybe he can help me and then the whole interaction part is based off of facebook i don't want i want nothing to do with facebook it took 
three times of back and forth in about a month to receive the tuition refund. It's just, ugh, I want a mentor to wow me. <laughs> oh, soon, 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 soon. Presenting clear objectives. And I think I did that with Brandon Epstein of the entrepreneur fitness thing. Presented my objectives, but I don't know. It just didn't work out. Point of all this rambling, picking a therapist, picking a roommate, a partner, a mentor, a coach, all of these things are delicate matters. And I do encourage everyone to approach them as such. It's okay the first mentor didn't work out. And it's okay that this mentor didn't work out. But I will remain strong and persevere because I have clear objectives. And that is to find a mentor. Number two, minimize number of communications. With this particular person, there was a lot of needless back and forth communication. And what do I mean by that? It's within a communication, we were working out the logistics of where to meet. I would offer a place. Yeah, it's just, it's just shit. It's like, oh, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, so details are superfluous, superfluous. So minimize number of communications. If let's say I say, let's meet at Bob's Burgers. And then he says, no, Bob's Burgers doesn't work for me. If that's the final communication, that's not as efficient. So a, a ideal way would be, no, Bob's Burgers doesn't work for me. Let's meet at River Park Square. If one option is denied, I recommend offering another and working towards um, accepting or offering in each email rather than offering and then denying and then having to offer. But it, it just, it's twice as fast if there's a denial to offer at least one or two alternatives and then proceed from there and work towards quickly locking in on that location. And we're talking here about initial communication. So down the road, sure, there can be more bullshitting and all that stuff. But for some reason, I do strongly recommend for initial communication to minimize the number of communications. Don't be too chatty. Be concise and digestible with words. <sighs> so the reason for minimizing the, num the number of communications is that calibration isn't there yet of how frequently the person communicates, what their day-to-day -day life is, and, and we've spoken about how communications can interrupt streams of consciousness and kind of knock down that Jenga tower of thought. With initial communication, I think it's important to present clear objectives, minimize the number of communications, really get that conciseness down, and then meet. Meet in person, and then bullshit and do all the other stuff. Okay, so we have on to number three. Kind of a fun one here for me that uh, I, I saw this in pictures. It was kind of strange. And it's Shake the Bridge of Truth. So how did this come up, the Bridge of Truth? I was talking to Brian about what to do from here. He knows <laughs> how this quest for a mentor for me has been. And he's at the point now where he is 100% on board and will help me find a mentor because it's driving him crazy too. He no longer has apprehensions with me, you know, brainstorming with someone, he wants it. He recognizes that there are, there's a certain need that I have that he cannot fulfill. And I think that's important in relationships to recognize 
when a need needs to be outsourced. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Okay, so I'm talking to him and I'm saying, all right, so here I am at this crossroads where a potential mentor has contradicted his own advice. And if this happens in this situation, is quite probable that it's a pattern. It's not just me. This happens in other situations, perhaps with other colleagues and people within daily dealings. What do I do from here? What level of responsibility do I have? Initially, I was open-minded. So we talked about number eight, allow open mind for any position in the mentor hamburger. Initially, I wanted him to be the mentor and me to be the, the mentored. Through some of the communications, I started to feel a bit more like, okay, maybe this is more of an equals thing, thinking that. Get kind of to the equals level, and then that final leap was him preaching about not using the word should and then using the word should. Uh, okay, so Mustachio had a good point. What if it was a joke? If it was a joke, which I really don't think it was, I don't find it very funny. <laughs> I would consider that kind of like a cop-out answer. Oh, it's just joking, you know. But, um, hmm, because it's initial communication. There's that level of, for me, I kind of think levels of humor are earned in a sense where I like to First, I, I, I like to feel someone out. Anyway, okay, here we go. <sighs> to the mentor hamburger, <laughs> initially thought he would be a mentor, then to equal, and then now I'm beginning to think that I can help mentor him with this particular area, linguistics, initial communications, concise and digestible conversations is a bit of a area of enjoyment for me. So the bridge of truth. I was talking to Brian about this. I said, okay, now what do I do? Is it a good idea for me to point out he essentially contradicted himself? And then Brian says, no, no, no. Then you're just being a big old asshole. And that's why you have no friends because you're such a dickhead to everyone. He kind of laid into me a little bit. But I view it differently. I view it as the bridge of truth. What does this mean? Imagine two islands and then a bridge going between those islands. The waters are too rough to, to swim. Or like the way I've drawn it, it's a river. So it's two land masses with a ravine. So the Grand Canyon, imagine that. There's a bridge across the Grand Canyon. One side, we'll call that side A. And then the other side, side B. On side A, there is a person who needs wood, needs to build a shelter. And two viable options are to walk across the bridge to side B, and chop down a tree. Take that wood back across the bridge and build a home. In contrast, the other option is to use the bridge to build the house. <laughs> if the bridge is useless, if essentially there's a high potential to fall and be in danger, in other words, if the bridge is unstable, then it cannot be used to get wood, so then it becomes wood. This is kind of a strange, uh, well, I mean, drawn down to me makes sense. I, and, and I think it does make sense. Shake the bridge of truth. I kind of see this as a connection with people. Will they be useful 
and beneficial to me? Will I be beneficial to them? Will, will there be that ecosystem harmonious relationship? And I like to know. I like to test the bridge before I walk across it. I've walked across many a bridge and fell to the bottom. I've survived each time. Uh, in my old age, though, I would like to minimize the number of times I fall. Now what I do is I shake the shit out of that bridge. I shake that bridge. I show all of the sides of me. Hmm. And I see what happens. If the bridge is stable, then it's a useful relationship for both. And I walk across and I get wood and then the bridge is there and everybody's happy. <laughs> I feel I need a house. I, I need to resolve uh, a seemingly open issue with this person about contradicting their own advice. I, I am curious as to how it will be handled. What will the response be? And how can I deliver the information in a way that is compassionate yet effective? That's the objective. Compassionate yet effective. Because for me, I love constructive insights. If someone can point out a blind spot, fuck yeah, hallelujah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, Brian and I have discussed this too. My brain is just different. I, there's some part that I lack. And then he'll point that out to me. He's like, you know, this hurts people's feelings. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> to me, I, I want to lay on that beach and relax. And I got to finish the work first. <sighs> so finding a mentor as an objective, need to shake the bridge and see what happens. I do feel as though the next step is to point it out, to say, hey, I'm not sure if you're fully aware of this, but your advice contradicts itself, and then take it from there. With initial communications, I encourage people to shake the bridge of truth. If there is a doubt, if red flags come up, that this person may be a faulty bridge and may lead to an undesired path, then shake that bridge, either designate the bridge as safe and stable or use it to build a house. Tell the person why. Offer a truthful perspective, but know that that bridge is gone. That that resource, that person, their feelings may be hurt or whatever. Be willing to sacrifice the, the bridge. And for me, I am. I'm willing to sacrifice this. No objectives were achieved in the initial meeting nor in the follow-up communication. I'm no better off than I was, and yet I have time invested. And that's another reason why I think the hamburger switched. Perhaps at this point in both of our lives, I would be a more beneficial mentor than a mentee in this specific situation. But we shall see with the shaking of the bridge. One never knows. Sometimes a bunch of gold flies out of that bridge when it's shaken up. Keep an open mind. Number four, be true to word. Things get tussled about all of the time with initial communications. Promises are given, all kinds of shit. I remember this too with a gentleman I had met in Vancouver and I had given him a writing to offer creative insights and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. No, never got back to me. This does spark from a frustration. Be true to word. If something is said, then do it. If this is a part of one's life, if this is in the meta, Life works out much better. The subconscious is freed from all that shoulda, coulda, wouldas, those broken promises. I think those are corrupting to higher states of consciousness. Be true to word. And with this 
particular communication, I feel as though that component was kind of lacking. Be true to word, and this kind of ties back into number nine, meet at a neutral location, discuss ideal parameters. Be true to word, we had talked about being on foot, that we would be walking. I walked there. After the first location, he had said, oh, you know, I'm going to drive somewhere. I'm like, well, it's not that far. Let's walk. And he's like, no, I'm not walking. And I was under the impression of one thing, and then it was switched. And sometimes that's okay. Be cognizant of, be true to word. Be clear on <laughs> items like that. Because I was not real, I didn't want to get in a car. I didn't want to drive. I just, I wanted to walk. And that's how I had envisioned it. And a commonality I thought that there was between us. It feels good to walk and to discuss things and to get fresh air and to be in the moment and look at the stimuli in the environment. I think for initial communications, this is beneficial. It's a way to disconnect from one's own yellow zone and get in a shared tangibility pink zone. And that begins with be true to word. If something is said, follow it up. Number five, work towards 70-30. Listen more, speak less. With this particular encounter, I would almost go as far to say more 90-10. I did very, very little talk. And this is kind of one thing I do in initial communication. Sometimes people just need to talk, just need to vent. Sometimes it's relaxing. It's meditative in a way to go to someone else's consciousness, to see what it's like to ponder things from a different perspective. So I don't really mind if someone does speak the majority of the time. But going back to number one, the objectives, it's impeding the objective. So it does bother me. <laughs> In hindsight now, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking for a bit more of a balanced conversation. Work towards 70-30. Work towards only speaking 30% of the time. I think for many people with this objective in mind, there will be about a 50-50. It's amazing how often people like to speak. But it, I do feel as it's listening more and speaking less really increases the ability to learn and to grow. Number six, practice what is preached. We already went over that with the writing from November 4th. Or the 3rd? Um, from November 3rd with the practice what is preached. What is useful information from a useless source? And I consider a useless source someone who preaches something, but then doesn't do it themselves. To me, I'm not real keen on being around that. Practice what is preached. And that's another reason why I've wanted to do the sensory deprivation. I've wanted to try these things. Try, here we go. Uh, there is no try, only do and do not. Simply like that. And if I do make a mistake, to call myself out. I want to practice what I preach. I do feel as though the 3H2 human's message is essentially advice I give myself. That's what it boils down to. I want to have these theories tested by others now. I think this is a big part of being a reliable source about overall increasing of awesomeness is practice what is preached. Number seven, keep personal details to a minimum. And this too goes back to initial communication. There is a bit too much of a personal exchange with this communication. I'm not really into chatty, chit-chatty nonsense. Give what's needed, and especially with personal details. I don't think personal specifics really have a place in terms of initial communication. First, connect and correlate 
consciousness is before all that other shit is exchanged, I think. I prefer that. I don't, I don't want to hear about somebody's personal shit until I, I, I guess maybe that's what it is, until I figure out what basket the person goes into. If they will be a friend or an acquaintance or a colleague or I, I don't really want to go there. And I found that I've done this in the past with business associates. I've been too friendly. Then nothing gets done and it just turns into a shit show and I have to do everything myself. There is a bit of past complications with over-personalization out the gate for me. I perhaps in some ways overcompensate by really keeping personal details to a minimum. Keep that objective in mind, accomplish objectives, and then dick off. Number eight, allow open mind for any position in Mentor Hamburger. I found some of the, my most enjoyable conversations I've been a part of have been with people who are smarter than me in many ways, yet when I speak with them, they're willing to come to my world and to see what I excel at. And there was an entry from Lake Chelan where I helped a strong, intelligent, successful businessman work through a personal complication. Oddly, that's what I strive on, our personal complications. Um, I guess the point is being willing to recognize people will fit somewhere in that hamburger meta and we get to choose where they fit. And especially with initial communication, I think it's imperative to be open first to the person being a mentor. Find what that other person excels at, which the individual does not. I think this is a marker of intelligence, is being able to connect to a stranger's awesomeness. Because think of that. Think about over time what that equals, constantly connecting to strangers' A-game, awesomeness, higher states of, states of consciousness, that Hector vibin awesomeness of energy, then it just perpetuates more awesomeness. In contrast, I think similar to the uh, person I had recently met, they're a bit more of, I think the filter is on only being a mentor. And uh, I think that that may be complicative in the future. Allow open mind for any position in the mentor hamburger. Number nine, meet at a neutral location. Discuss ideal parameters. This is something I've been privy to for a long time, and it's an instinctual thing. I'm very much in tune to the biological drives, to the, the nature of humans being the apex predator, and that meeting in a neutral location, I feel as though is oddly helpful in initial communication. Because essentially there is a home court advantage and a way disadvantage. And that was one thing that this particular person first wanted to go to his regular places. I'm not a fan of that. For initial communication to go to a regular hangout because then there's other people that are known and then it's already kind of saying, this is my territory. You are coming to my space rather than let's meet in the middle. I think that there's good intentions, positive motive with meeting and on one's home turf, but I do challenge everyone to look deeper into it. What, um, what goes along with meeting essentially at, at one's home ground? I think it's less open than a neutral location. A neutral location is saying we're equals, is 
having that leveled playing ground, the stimuli is new to both people, so it increases awareness. I think there's a multitude of benefits to meeting at a neutral location, as well as discussing ideal parameters. What are the ideal parameters? For me, going to like a dive bar or a local spot, having a beer and chatting in comfortable clothes, civilian gear, as I say it. Sometimes it's hard for me to even talk to people wearing suits and ties and all that shit. I, I imagine it's gotta be uncomfortable and similar with women, tight stuff and their shit all hanging out. And it's just, it, those are not my ideal parameters. Ideal parameters is comfort and practicality. We are the apex creatures here on earth. And I think it's important for us to recognize that and dress accordingly <laughs> and not have loud clicky shoes. Oh, loud clicky shoes bug the shit out of me. How, how less predatorial can someone be? If that person was out in the wild and clicking around and being an obnoxious idiot, then I don't think they would last very long. Okay, so meet at a neutral location, discuss ideal parameters. So is it a walking meeting? Is there alcohol involved, food, light snack, teleconference, whatever it is, I encourage folks to voice what the ideal parameters are. It's kind of strange. Oftentimes people have the same. And then this kind of goes back to bending one's own will for the will of another, but essentially neither person's ideal parameters are met. So it's like a lose-lose. Put out those ideal parameters, thus increasing the likelihood of comfort. Number 10, minimize grandstanding. Have a tell me more mentality. <sighs> I felt as though he was undermining me. Grandstanding. When we had first sat down, he opened up his computer and was showing me stuff on there and like loading files and doing all this shit. And it was a lot to have right out the gate, especially if this person is looking to be my mentor. I would think it would be almost the opposite. And I didn't really get a chance to talk too much. And when I did, we started talking about linguistics and that's when he got into the big rant about semantics and, oh, it's this, oh, it's that. There was no tell me more. It was pretty much all, no, it's not. This is what this tells me, no, it's not. And, and I talked about how quantum physics talk about infinite possibility. And he's like, oh yeah, you people and things and just categorized me into some fucking generalized group. I was not real happy about that. And I found that humble people tend to have that tell me more mentality, that realization that each human has their own individualized perspectives. Some are more accurate than others. In order to reach the pink zone, some sort of fucks need to be given towards understanding the other person's perspective. So that's really what 10 is about. Minimize grandstanding. God, that irritates me. Just get to those objectives. <laughs> All right, so this is the 10 list of initial communication. Uh, number one, present clear objectives. Number two, minimize number of communications. Number three, shake the bridge of truth. Number four, be true to word. Number five, work towards 70-30. Listen more, speak less. Number six, practice what is preached. Number seven, keep personal details to a minimum. Number eight, allow open mind for any position in mentor hamburger. Number nine, meet at neutral location, discuss ideal parameters. Number 10, minimize grandstanding equals have that tell me more mentality. 
All right, so this is for initial communication. Just some thought seats. It's just a 10 list, that's all. No uh, absolutes and best way and good and bad and right and wrong. Just simply ideas and ideas which are on my mind. And that's what today's talk is about. That um, stuff that's on my mind. <laughs> and frustrations and what to do from here. The optimism that yes, I will find a mentor soon and that it is important for me to have that tangibility. I originally thought I could skate under the radar until the day of launch, the day of release. It seems to be unlikely now as Hector is saying, it's time for me to now switch my priorities back to the word you misused and other pish posh words. And mystical puzzle piece was this gentleman's behavior. He has a PhD and yet contradicted his own advice and preach to me about the word should. Um, it's frustrating, <laughs> but it's okay. Oh, oy, oy, oy. gosh. And then also in academia, there's an inlander that's been haunting me. The, what is it? The head of psychology wrote an anti-marijuana ad or had some study about showing that marijuana negatively affects women. Whereas marijuana also decreases seizures, helps cancer patients eat food. There's a multitude of benefits. And that's how this particular person is spending their time and perhaps government resources, scholastic resources on showing that marijuana may potentially have negative side effects for women. Like, ah, it drives me crazy. Any statistics of consciousness. So that was another component that went over on the November 3rd entry was what the fuck are statistics of consciousness? How the basis of the information is done from rats. That's how Washington State University is spending their time and resources on rat studies, proving that marijuana has negative effects on women. Like, are you shitting me? <sighs> but that's okay. <laughs> to each their own. Maybe there's some awesome component beyond propaganda and bullshit that I personally am unavailable to recognize. So I gotta recognize the beauty of all components of the world and each individualized perspective as its own. We're all just human trying to make it, trying to figure out what we're doing here, what our purpose is, what tomorrow will bring, and what kind of impact we're gonna have when that day comes and our bodies expire. What will we do? What means something at that point? I don't think a credential on the wall will mean a whole lot in the next life. All right, Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy.